My name is Heather Pittman. Today's first reading is from the Good News According to Luke, chapter 12, beginning at verse 49. Listen for the word of God. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, It is going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites! You know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Before the service, Heather said, do you think I should, like, you know, give people a warning or something about this? scripture passage, and I said, you know, I like, to, I like, to, I like it to hit people. <sighs> Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray, and by the power of your living word, speak to our hearts that are rent by conflict and fear, and bring us your peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Speak to us your gospel of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week, Jesus offered words of comfort to his disciples. Fear not, little flock, he said, for it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And, you know, Jesus is sort of pictured, you know, those uh, photo or those old paintings of Jesus as the kindly shepherd with the lamb in his arms providing protection and peace to his defenseless flock. It's a very, you know, lovely and reassuring image. But oh, what a difference <laughs> a few verses will make. It's almost like we have a completely different Jesus on our hands. And, you know, Jesus is revved up. I came to bring fire to the earth, he says. Man, I wish it was already kindled. I wish somebody would just strike the match. I've got this baptism that I've got to live out, and oh boy, I'm going to be pacing back and forth day by day and tossing and turning night by night until the work is done. You know, normally Jesus is pictured as kind of unemotional, as meek and mild. Here, though, he, pretends, he presents himself as a kind of twitchy, urgent, or arsonist of some kind, you know, consumed with passion and will for his mission. 
one who's not going to rest until the whole block is burned to the ground. You know, if you think that that's worrisome, if that's harsh, you ain't seen nothing yet. You think I've come to bring peace to the earth? He says next. You think I've come to knit and string slogans on your pillows? To pat you on the back and gently affirm? You think I've come to kick around hacky sack and sing kumbaya? Guess again. I've come to bring division, he says. I've come to bring division. I've come to disrupt and confront. And Matthew's gospel adds this line. He says, I come not to bring peace, but a sword. Not peace, but a sword. You know, for a guy whose nickname is the Prince of Peace, a guy who, when he was born, the angels sang glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, whose most famous sermon contains the declaration, blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus sure is jacking up the conflict and the chaos. And just when you thought things couldn't get more jarring, Jesus turns the dial up again. I come to bring division, he says, and guess what? As my first act, I'm going domestic. I'm heading into your family unit. From now on, he says, from now on, you can expect trouble in your families. People are going to take sides about me. Five in your house, it's going to be two against three. You think your relationship with your kids is strained? You think your Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners are already unpleasant? You think you have trouble with your in-laws now? You just wait until I start screwing with your life. Like I said, I've come to burn it all down. That fire I was talking about, no inch of the earth, no area of human life will be left untouched. And your household, your family is at the top of the list. And I can't believe you guys don't get this. I mean, you look at the clouds and can see it's going to rain, but you can't seem to read the signs of the times or hear what I'm saying. For a guy whose reputation is all about family values, Jesus seems to be hell-brent on breaking them up. Urgency, confrontation, conflict, this sounds different. This is drastically different from the Jesus we know and love. Bring the one with the lambs back, please. We like him way better. So what are we supposed to make of this fire-breathing, confrontational, home-wrecking Jesus? Other than this, this perhaps being a the other end of something of a manic episode or something like that. Well, for a while, I thought that it meant that I needed to be more like that, to take everything more seriously, more urgently, to get up in people's faces, to stand up for truth, no matter the cost, to be uncompromising, especially with the powers that be. And if that meant earning enemies and alienating brothers, sisters, cousins, mom and dad, then so be it. While regrettable, it would all be necessary in the service of a higher cause. Just one of the many consequences of true righteousness and commitment to Jesus. But we don't really need Jesus for that, do we? 
urgent, relentless danger and division. We've already got plenty of that going on. Every news story we read or hear projects the end of the world. Every cause demands our immediate, full-hearted attention. The world's on fire with the climate crisis, and politics has already got division running pretty hot. What's your vaccination status? Would you let your kids date a conservative? I mean, our opinions on the trucker convoy might get us disinvited from grandma's birthday party, depends on, depending on where the family lands on the issue. Plenty of us want to go out there and raise a little hell, want to burn the, systems to the, burn the system to the ground from either end of the spectrum. We don't need Jesus to, to stoke social disorder or bust up families. I mean, by nature, we are always looking for trouble. By nature, we're self-righteous and always searching for an enemy or a source of outrage. I mean, just ask my parents what I was like when I came back from university. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. That's nice. <laughs> That's what my parents say. We don't need Jesus to encourage any of this stuff. We already do enough of a good job as it is. So Jesus must be talking about something different. Stoking division and going around looking for a fight isn't what Jesus is talking about. Could we get the next slide? Because the fire that Jesus is talking about isn't merely the fire of destruction. It's not the fire of anger or outrage or hatred or self-righteousness. No. The late great Catholic theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar, say that three times fast, he says that the fire Jesus is talking about is the fire of divine love. The fire of divine love. Jesus is on fire, not with the hellish blaze of this world. He's not devoured with that which, by which we are consumed, hatred, vengeance, resentment, and self-righteous self-justification. He is on fire with the spirit of the living God. At Jesus' baptism, the heavens opened and God's own spirit fell on him like a dove, igniting his true identity as the divine son, the God of love in the flesh. Jesus is totally consumed by God's self-giving, passionate love, even for the worst of sinners, for all of creation, for you and for me, a sacrificial love culminating in his own death on the cross, throwing himself into the furnace of damnation for our sake and the sake of the world. It's this fire Jesus is talking about. It's this fire that torches the old world of death, sin, injustice, sadness, and hatred in order that the new and most beautiful, true, and good world rises from its ashes. A fire that won't be quenched, one that won't be stopped, one that won't cease until all things are made new, until the world is transformed, until creation, until all of human life is transfigured forever 
and for good. This is the fire Jesus is talking about, the fire of divine love. And the thing is that Jesus plans to use our lives as kindling. Our lives as kindling. Jesus plans to set our hearts on fire with that same love by the power of the Holy Spirit given to us in baptism. To transform us by melting the clouds of sin and sadness by driving the fear of doubt away like a refiner's fire. Like melting the impurities from iron. Now what does that look like exactly? How does that work well, it looks like Jesus, and it works like Jesus. Next slide, please. It looks like Jesus, and it works by cultivating what the 8th century monk, Isaac the Syrian, calls a merciful heart. I've always been removed, or removed, I was, I've always been moved by this reflection from one of his sermons. What is a merciful heart, he asks. This is like way back, 7th century. What is a merciful heart? A merciful heart is a heart on fire for the whole of creation. For humanity, for the birds, for animals, for demons, for all that exists. By the recollection of them, the eyes of a merciful person pour forth tears in abundance, by the strong and vehement mercy that grips such a person's heart and by such great compassion, the heart is humbled and cannot bear to hear or see any injury or slight sorrow in all creation. For this reason, such a person offers up tearful prayer continually, even for the irrational beasts, for the enemies of truth, and for those who harm her or him that they may be protected and receive mercy. And in like manner, such a person prays for the family of reptiles. That's my favorite part. Such a person prays for the family of reptiles because of his great compassion that burns without measure in a heart that is in the likeness of God. To love even the reptiles... Even the reptiles, you know, I picture Indiana Jones, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Even the reptiles. But more importantly, to love our enemies. To love the enemies of truth. And even those who do harm to us. This is what happens when the fire of God's love lands in our lives. And we let it burn. You know, this is actually where the conflict that Jesus is talking about comes from. I mean, on one hand, letting God's love isn't, in, isn't something that we're predisposed to receive or give. I mean, think of the person you hate the most. I know we're all good Christians. We don't hate anybody. We lie to ourselves and say that, of course. But think of the person you hate the most. Or the person who hates you. Or the person who's hurt you or done you harm or harmed a person you love. 
Or think of the kind of people you can't stand. For progressives, it may be freedom truckers. You know. For conservatives, maybe it's social justice warriors. I know that I have a hard time loving folks, the kind of people who smoke crack in my alleyway, even though I know that Jesus went to hell and back for them as much as me. It's because everything fallen in us pushes back against God's love. Jesus says, and Jesus says that if we let this little spark into our lives, then we might end up loving those people or forgiving them. That the resentments that hold us captive, the spiritual deadwood that we cling to, that's liable to go up in smoke. Then what will we do? On the other hand, this kind of love, love is also liable to alienate us from other people too. Even our closest friends and family members, even the people we love, to be clear, being a judgmental, sanctimonious jerk is not a sign of a merciful heart kindled with the love of Christ. Just to be clear. But I'm reminded of the story of the missionary in India who persuaded a prominent Hindu prince to convert to Christianity to follow Jesus. And once the prince was baptized, though, the prince's father immediately disowned him. And not only did he disown him, he demoted him to the status of a Dalit, the untouchable class, the people at the bottom of the rung in the class system. He stripped his son of everything, and everything that he ever had in life went up in smoke. And the missionary couldn't believe it, you know, like, I mean, I'm glad you converted, but it cost you everything. I mean, why, why did you do that exactly? Sounds a little crazy. And the prince replied that my gods before had human characteristics, but I need a god with divine characteristics. One of the divine characteristics, of course, is the unconditional, unmerited, one-way love of God for sinners. He was willing to throw everything in the bonfire for the love of Christ. The love of Christ for him and the world, no matter the cost. That's the kind of conflict that the love of Christ brings about. And you know, Jesus doesn't go looking for conflict. He doesn't create it. It just follows him naturally. And if we end up following him naturally, we might find conflict following us too. He may be the prince of peace, but his peace simply isn't the peace that we want. It's not the peace that we want. It's not the peace that we want, dear friends, but it's the peace we need. It's the peace we need, and it's the peace I need, the peace the world needs, and it's the peace that you know that you need, too. 
And the good news is that this peace has come among us in Jesus Christ and is still present to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this peace is here and it is for you today. Because Jesus comes to set the fire of God's love on the earth to consume all that opposed to God's good purpose to creation, to melt all that is in us that holds us and others back from the abundant life and peace we've always longed for. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to let the fire of the living God light us up. It's to get lit. Not that kind of lit, but if you're thinking that. To let our Creator stoke within us merciful hearts, hearts that grow brightly, to let ourselves be aflame with the love of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. To be a disciple is to be one who gives over all the spiritual dead wood of sin and anger and hatred and vengeance to the ash heap day after day after day, dying and rising, trusting that the Lord God is burning away all that is in us that is not of him and the kingdom, the kingdom of love. Well, let us pray. God, Holy Spirit. Come to us and come among us. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the fire and burn. Come as the dew and refresh. Convict, convert, and consecrate many hearts and lives to our great good and your greater glory. Kindle in us the love of Christ the love for friends and enemies alike, the love that pours out on the just and the unjust alike, and even the reptiles, O oh Lord. Kindle in us the fire of love and peace and desire for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. stand for our hymn of the day, Shine, Jesus, Shine. For the light of your love is shining. 